Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberties to the captives, and to open of the prison of those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdresses instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, and they shall be called Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. They shall be called Oaks of righteousness. Hey guys, that is from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 4. And happy to announce the reason we've been off of the podcast and off of uh, Fruitful and Fearless and off of Sons and Slaves the last week and a half for two weeks is because Baby Oak is here. Oak Stonewall Sparks was born on the 8th of November, and we are super excited. Jordan's doing really well. Oak is doing really well. He was nine pounds, one ounce, which is a huge baby for Jordan. Jordan walks around less than 100 pounds. She's five foot nothing and 95 pounds, and every one of our other babies were like seven, four, seven, six, something like that. I always forget, but small sevens. I think Providence was in the sixes. And then here comes Oak a week early, and his name is very fitting, Oak Stonewall very just just thrilled that God has blessed us with another son. So we have our we have three boys and our daughter and you guys have heard me talk about them over the years, but as we anticipate all that God's going to do in their lives, we're just excited and and really looking forward to see oak grow up into an oak of righteousness and this is our anticipation and even the the passages about building up ancient ruins and raising up former devastations repairing ruined cities the devastations of many generations and that lord willing is what we want to see in our generations is things that have been tore down things that have been destroyed be built back up for god's glory and his purposes and his kingdom and so it's just wonderful that oak is here thank you thank you so much if you have been praying we really appreciate it and like i said that's why it's been a couple weeks since I've recorded, and it's just awesome to be back today. Really thrilled about everything that's going on in our lives. I hope you guys are as well. We're leading up to Thanksgiving, and so I thought I would do a Thanksgiving episode. I'm actually going to be doing another Thanksgiving episode next week, so it'll be a little bit retroactive after the fact. But today we're going to talk about lessons from Scrooby, the congregation at Scrooby. And we're going to look at four things in particular. Let me hold up. Let me turn up. For some reason, my audio has been turning down on me, and I don't understand why. So let me turn that back up. There we go. And in the process, I think we'll have a lot of fun thinking through what many of you, if you're older listener listening in, what many of you learned growing up. If you're a younger listener, many of you probably have, have had to learn this your own on your own, study it out for yourself. We're going to talk about these lessons and then even the first pilgrims as they came over, what we can learn. So four things in particular I want to look at. Number one, the congregation at, Scro- at Scrooby was they had a passion for the purity of the church. They were a separatist congregation led by John Robinson, uh, and we'll look at that. We'll consider that. Number two, they loved God's word in all of life. They were very puritanical, the separatists were. The separatists and the Puritans in England were very, they were theologically united on so much, and even in their confessions, they had shared confessions as the years would go on. Uh, number three, godly ambition. These 
people had an enormous amount of ambition and they didn't let hindrances, even providential hindrances, stop them. They, they trusted the Lord, trusted his, those, those providential hindrances until the doors opened again and they pressed forward for his glory and for the good of their generations. Pretty incredible. And then we're going to look at, at the providence of God. So these big things. And as we're marching into Thanksgiving week, I want you to look back on the first Thanksgiving in our country and be just so thankful for the heritage that we have in this nation, in this country. And it's just a wonderful thing to look back and see the blessing of God, of God upon a people and the judgment of God upon wicked nations that were in this country, these Native American tribes that were very pagan, and how God even used some of these pagan tribes for his glory and his purposes in these congregations and these settlers that were coming from England and all over the world. It's just, just absolutely remarkable. And so let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help, as we always do, and then we will consider these four things. Let's pray. Father, we just want to honor you in this time. It's Thanksgiving week. We want to look around in our lives and we want to recognize all that you've given us. You have given us so many things from the people that we love that are around us and that love us, from the churches that we're a part of, to the friends and the work that we have, the, the life that we get to live. God, we don't want to live as the Gnostics do and only, only consider Ephesians 1 blessings. We have been blessed in all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, but we've also been blessed with so many physical blessings, our, our own bodies, our life, the food we're going to eat this week. We want to eat into that turkey, and we, we don't want to just think think about spiritual blessings. We want to think about the physical blessings of the taste of that turkey. We want to enjoy the gravy. We want to enjoy the fellowship. We want to enjoy the coffee and the drinks and the laughter and everything that we get to do. God, for those that are out there that are really struggling with Thanksgiving and, and this, the holidays, because of family members that are gone, give them the grace to enjoy what you have given them and help them as they lament and as they are just struggling through maybe a lost family member this year for the first time. Give them the grace to just enjoy this time, to remember uh, if it was somebody that was that treated them terribly, God, I pray that you give them the strength to see at least something to be thankful for about that person. Uh, lead this time, God. I trust that you will. God, I thank you for my son, Oak. I thank you for just his name. I thank you for Stonewall Jackson and, and even just the influence he's had on my life, you've had through him and my life. And God, I pray that that Oak would be a boy and then a man of courage, uh, rebuilding ancient cities. Help us as we work through this stuff. I trust you well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. I am thrilled about this. This uh, last, uh, let's see, October, we had Church History October at our church. We're going to make this an annual thing, I believe. And for Christchurch, your Carbondale family, I was actually thinking through the possibility of preaching this on a Sunday morning. Talked to Andy about it. And so as, as I looked at these four points about the congregation at Scrooby and everything that I'd worked on on, on looking at Puritanism, for my lecture last month, I thought, well, maybe I could make that into a sermon in these four points here, kind of a topical sermon, and, and I thought this would be more fitting for it. So Christchurch Cardinal folks, this is really trying to distill some of the information that was at the uh, was at the uh, the church history class last month, but also just help you as you march into this Thursday to think through things that God is, is doing in your life, because these lessons that we see from this congregation are very applicable to our life as well, and also it's just representative of our life as well. The providence of God on display in that congregation and in the founding of, of the the Plymouth Colony, and the providence of God on display in our lives as well. And so these these connections here from this congregation all those years ago, from the early 1600s to today, are just so clear. And uh, and, and anyways, th this is for, for you. And so, uh, number one, the church, church at Scrooby was uh, passionate about the purity of the church. It was a separatist congregation, Scrooby, England, in the early 1600s. Uh, the man named William Bradford, and I, I got a lot of this information from his work on the Plymouth Plantation written by William Bradford. If you can find that, get it, get an older copy, not a newer copy, because the older copies are so much better, and the newer copies are so PC and woke that you can't really get to the core of the content because it's been so edited and so abridged. You want to get an older version. I was able to get a library version from, let's see, I don't have it here on my desk, but I got a library version from eBay or somewhere online 
that was a really just handsome copy. It smelled like an old library and was able to go through that. It was so much fun working through that material. And William Bradford started to go to this congregation against his uncle's wishes. He had been gifted a bunch of property and from his father who had died at an early age and he started living with his uncles. And his uncles were good Church of England folks and Bradford ended up, he was very puritanical in his theology, but he was a separatist. So the difference between separatists and the Puritans is the Puritans wanted to purify the church and the separatists were, they had already separated from the Church of England. And so there were more severe punishments for the separatists than there were for the Puritans because the Puritans are trying to work from within and reform from within where the separatists were doing things outside of the authorization of the king. And so King, king James didn't like this a whole lot. And what we find with these separatist congregations is a group of people that were just passionate about the purity of the church. They were Calvinistic in their soteriology and in many of them in their uh, in, in their ecclesiology, even though the ecclesiology didn't yet line up with uh, what would, would develop into or what would be a robust Presbyterianism. They were a lot of independent separatist churches because they were breaking away from the <clears throat> breaking away from the uh, from the Church of England, and there were also Baptist churches, Calvinistic Baptist churches that, you know, for instance, John Bunyan was a part of, even though he wasn't a, a, a kind of a, a Benjamin Keach Baptist, uh, um, Bunyan had his own version or understanding of what makes you in, into the visible church. It was regeneration, not baptism for him. But think about all these separatist churches that cared about the purity of the church. And, and this is a really good thing for us today. And we got to obviously make sure that we don't uh, so become so sectarian that we are separate from everybody. But it is a really good thing that we should want to emulate as a local church today. And for our church, Christ Church Carbondale, it's the purity of the local church. We want to be as faithful to the scriptures as we, as we possibly can. And we don't want to make the errors that many of our contemporaries and many of the people that have gone before us have made. We want to walk in all the obedience that God has shown us in his word that we possibly can. And we want to avoid the ditches that everybody seems to fall into. And, and later on, we'll be able to look back and say, you know, we could have done that better. We could have done this better. But we should care about the purity of the church. There, we should be, as we think about the church as a whole, the big C church, we should love the church. But when we see things done improperly, when we see God dishonored at the big C church level, whatever it may be, there's a difference between a critical spirit who is critical of every church that does things differently than you do. There's a difference between that and then the heart that desires the purity of the church. When we look at you know what happens a lot of times in attractional churches or big churches or something like that, uh, or even small churches or mom and pop churches, whatever it may be, we see things that have happened in our past and we are frustrated by it, we don't want to repeat it because we care about the purity of the church. We want to walk in obedience to God's word, and we want to be as authentic as we possibly can to what God calls us to be as the body of Christ. So we, we want to walk in purity. And the, the church at Scrooby desperately desired the purity of the church. They wanted to walk in purity. They had a couple other elders. So they had John Robinson as their pastor, uh, and also William Brewster as one of their pastors. And then one of, I, I mistakenly said that Brewster had passed away early. I think it was John Carver, another el uh, elder, or Winthrop, that was another elder there. Their third elder ended up passing away when they got over to uh, when they got to Plymouth. But Brewster ended up being their main minister because John John Robinson never was able to go with them. He, he was he did go to Holland with them, but he was never able to make it to the New World. And when you think about this congregation. They just were a separatist group. They're like, no, we can't do things that way because that way is against or a violation of God's word and we care about God's word. So number one, we should emulate from the congregation at Scrooby a passion for the purity of the church. Number two, they believe in the word of God and the authority of God's word in all of life. This is what so many of us have rediscovered over the last few years is all of, all of God's word in all of life or all of Christ in all of life as, as Canon has coined it. We desire all of our life to come under the lordship of Christ everywhere. Josh just preached a great sermon 
in our church yesterday talking about this, that true gospel-centeredness or Christ-centeredness means that Christ affects everything in our life. His lordship affects everything we do, everything we touch, everything that we say, how we live our lives at work, how we conduct ourselves when we go to the voting booth or what we say on the internet. The lordship of Christ rules everything in our life. The, these separatists were very puritanical in their understanding of God, the authority of God's word everywhere. So it, it wasn't a thing for them to say that if, if you're not a Christian, that you can stiff arm God's word and God's word therefore has no authority over your life. They were very much like what this is the, the inheritance that George Washington picked up when he would not let his, in, this, in 1776, in, in the Revolutionary War, he would not let his military use profanity. They caught what the separatists so loved. They caught what New England Puritanism had, had you know, really put into the soil of this country, which is a love for God's word in all of life. Now, certainly there were errors along the way, and there were generations that did not know the things that God had done. They did not remember the things that God had done uh, very quickly in our country. But from the very beginning, baked into everything that we were doing in this side uh, or on in, in the New World, was this desire very puritanical, very separatist desire to recognize whatever God says and anywhere he says it, we will obey it. We are your servants. We are listening. God speak. And we would open up our Bibles and say, okay, how does God's word teach me to plant this garden? I'm going to plant this garden with all of my might. How does God's word teach me to discipline my children? How does God's word teach me to whatever it is? That's what we want to do. And so that is our inheritance as Americans. Our inheritance, we go all the way back to the island or to this little congregation in Scroopy and we see a group of people who, like the Puritans and the New England Puritans that came a little bit later than the Separatists, than those first pilgrims, our inheritance here is to love the authority of God's word in all of life. Number three, they had godly ambition. This congregation at Scroopy was remarkable. They So as they're Separatists here, in England, and they're looking around, they're thinking, man, for us to do things and to be obedient to God, according to his word, we're, this is going to cost us, and we want to find somewhere where we have some liberty to do this, and we realize that for, for us to do this, it's going to cost us greatly, but for our children and grandchildren, for the next generations, this is going to this is going to be for their good, for their benefit. This is what we have to do. This is the lot that's been handed to us that we are going to have to forge ahead as pilgrims to even selling everything to leave the land that we know to find a place that we can worship uh, according to what God is and how God has called us to worship. And so this little congregation of about 100 or so people in, in, in Scrooby under the leadership of John Robinson decided to sell everything and they moved to Holland. They moved to Holland and as they're in Holland, they're there for about 11 years. Their children began to learn the, the language, which they're, so they're learning the Dutch language. They're uh, becoming basically Dutch. That's what they're becoming. And what they end up seeing after about 11 years, because a lot of them had to leave their trades behind, they, they left everything and they had to learn new skills. And they, they, they were really at the bottom of the barrel society. There were a few that were doing well and uh, were able to, to have a little bit of means, but many of them were really just struggling just as day laborers and they were just struggling to get by. And after 11 years, the congregation, it was amazing. It had grown to about 300 people. But some of the, you know, look five, six, seven years in, they're starting to realize, you know, that some of the things that we desired, we're realizing we're not getting what we desired in Holland in the way that we thought it would come about. And 
we're actually raising almost Dutch children, and we, we don't want to do that. We want to raise English children that love the ways of God, and they, they know our heritage, and they, they love Jesus, and they love God's Word, and, and we, we're, we're pressed in. We're in Amsterdam. They moved to a place called Leiden, and it was, it was not the kind of life that they thought they would be able to live there. And after selling everything 11 years before and moving, listen to this. This, this is crazy. They recognized We've got one more shot. We're getting older. We've got one more shot at this. And uh, what if we, and, and John Robinson and William Brewster were thinking through this, and uh, they were meeting at Leiden, Leiden and or Leighton, and and we're meeting in the, this upper room of, of a church building, and they decided we're going to do everything we can to get our congregation back to England and then into the new world. We're going to be hired. We're going to do whatever it takes to sell everything, to hire ships, to get us there. Talk about ambition, godly ambition. Many of you, if you'll just stop right now and think about moving, and many of you have thought about moving, especially if you're in Illinois or some liberal state, you've been thinking about the balkanization that's been happening in our country, and you've been thinking about where, where would be a better place for my generations to live. And, and people in Illinois have to wrestle through this because we love Southern Illinois, but everything through from Chicago to Springfield down is so corrupt and so terrible. And even in our own city, in Carbondale, Carbondale is the worst town and the, the darkest town in all of Southern Illinois. They're killing babies and happy about it. They're welcoming in, we got a tranny on the uh, um, city council, and we have a mayor who claims to be a Christian and is open and affirming and, and awful and, and wanting to see baby murder, all the while claim to be a Christian. It's just, it's mind-blowing. And uh, from crime to everything, like Car Carbondale in southern Illinois is the one town that you really don't want to live in. And we live on the outskirts of the city, and, and you know, we, there are a lot of things that are, there's good food here, it's kind of a global little community because of SIU. But if you live in Illinois and you think about property taxes and, and everything that goes with living in Illinois and, and all that I just mentioned, you're thinking through this, the possibility of moving. But the thought of moving, because we love our friends, we love our church, we're just not moving, we believe this is where God's planted us, we're going to be here. And we, in a lot of ways, the cost of living, even with the taxes, is really cheap compared to, comparatively. But all our family's here, everything we know is here. I mean, I, I grew up in Southern Illinois, I went to, to Tennessee for, for a minute and then moved back, and I love it here. I love Southern it's home. And the thought of leaving, it would be somewhat adventurous, would be fun, but man, it'd be difficult. Think about moving. The sights, the smells, everything that's normal, everything that you've grown up with, how difficult that would be. And in that day, it wasn't like they traveled. They didn't go on vacation. They didn't fly across country. They didn't take ships. They, they lived in close proximity to their house their entire life when they were in Scrooby. Then they went to Holland and lived in, in close proximity to their life there in, in Holland. And it's not like they ever, to, for the cost of leaving, is monumental. I mean, it, it, so many of them died. So many of them. So the ambition to get up and then to leave and is just remarkable. And so in 1620, with the Speedwell and the Mayflower, the Speedwell ended up having to turn back, and they ended up with 102 pilgrims, many of them from the Church of Scrooby. And without John Robinson, they leave to Plymouth on the Mayflower. And it, talk about godly ambition. They desired to bring the gospel. They, they cared about their generations at cost of themselves. They cared about the native lands, uh, the, the native people, they wanted the Indians to become Christians, the savages over in, in, in America. They wanted them to become Christians. And it was just remarkable. And today, there are so many docile Christians believing that being docile is somehow godly, it's somehow holy. That, that pushing down ambition in our life out of fear of selfish ambition is somehow the right answer to selfish ambition. The answer 
against selfish ambition is godly ambition. We, we should want that. Christians should have godly ambition. You should get out, get up every day, and go out and crush it. This is what, uh, why I love Scott Tungay so much. He, he has this way of motivating people. It's just like that king energy that uh, you hear people talking about. That, that comes directly from Scott. And uh, get out there and crush it. Build for the glory of God. Be ambitious. Don't be docile. Don't, you know, push down and, you know, and, and crush that ambitious spirit. Make it godly ambition. Do your, do your, live your life, build the wealth, not just for yourself, so you can sit back and fold your arms and kick up like the Luke 11 guy and say, look what, I'm going to build bigger barns for myself. But big, I mean, be the kind of person that builds bigger barns for your great-grandchildren. Where you sit back and you look at it, you say, I know exactly where that's going, and I know exactly who that's going to be. I know exactly who that's going to bless. Be that kind of guy. So godly ambition. Uh, Number four, we see God's providence everywhere. Okay, just all over this. Now, Think about everything that had to happen from 1620, the pilgrims, now 11 years before, all these things that are going on, and all the, just the mechanics of all this. I want you to think about this congregation and the pilgrims on the Mayflower, leaving in 1620, and Squanto, who they ended up after Samoset. They met Samoset, and you can read this right from William Bradford. It's just it's remarkable how accurate, I told our church, how, how accurate the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special is. It's like, really, it's on point. And if you read the source material from Bradford himself, it's, it's just remarkable. Um, what you end up finding out is that as the pilgrims get there in 1620, Squanto, or after Samoset comes up speaking broken English, they Squanto comes because Samoset goes and gets him and knows he knows better English than I do. Squanto comes into the Plymouth colony in 1620, and or excuse me, in 1621, early 1621, and begins to talk with them in language because he was abducted in 1614 and taken away. There was a, a group of 20 Indians by the bribery of Thomas, I forget the guy's name, that, that was the uh, the guy that was there to there to collect some slaves, or uh, to collect some Indian slaves. And he lured them in under the banner of trade and 20 Indians, Squanto being one of them in 1614, was taken aboard the ship and was taken to Spain and then ended up being sold and makes make, he makes his way up to England, and some believe that he met Pocahontas there as well. He comes back in 1619, okay, one year before. His tribe is completely wiped out from disease, from European disease that were there. And then he, through all of this, you think about, okay, Squanto ends up, before before he dies, he becomes a Christian, dying right by Bradford. Bradford. Bradford leads him to Christ right before he dies. Squanto says, I want to go to your God. And like you think about these providential pieces that come together and uh, the, the the wickedness that was in this land, just the, the evil demon worship that was in this land through the through the Indians here, uh, the the myth of the noble savage, like the, 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 there, there was cor- there's so corruption that ran so deep in, the, in into the soil of this country. And here are these here are these English Puritans in 1620 or, or separatists that get here and God had orchestrated the timing of this. If they would have went, instead of going, if they would have went to, instead of Holland first, if they would have came to America first, well, Squanto wouldn't have been there. Squanto taught them about, they had already found some, uh, the, the settlers, or the pilgrims had already found some of the corn that was buried, and they found some things they were going to pay back the Indians. But Squanto came along and taught them all this stuff. And then, by the fall, the harvest of 1621... You, they, there's this massive harvest and 90 Indians and only 53 because, uh, or 51 of the 102 settlers or pilgrims that came over out of the, after that first year, there were only 51 that were living. Two babies were born, only 51 that were living. That, that's how many had died. 
and many of those were children that were left living. Here comes, and by the way, one of the, uh, uh, one, the two of the boy names, if you're looking for boy names, uh, there was uh, one of the pilgrims, a man named his son, sons, two sons, Love and Wrestling. There's some great names. Wrestling, how cool is that name? Also, there was a Remember, we love that name. Oceanus was the girl that was born on the, on the trip uh, over. But all the timing works out in God's providence is on display. Because of Squanto and his dealings with Massasoit, the, the Indian chief in that area, there were 40 years of peace, or 50, ended up being 50 years of peace with William Bradford and these initial settlers. And that 50 years of peace helped them establish this colony as there were more and more people that came over. And it was just a miracle. It was God's providential hand there. And as you think about that this year, I want you to reflect on your life, all the mechanics of your life. Looking back, if this would have happened, and if that would have happened differently, if this would have happened differently, uh, how how wild your life would have been, or how different your life would have been. And if you look at all the things that God has done in your life, God's providence is just everywhere. It's not just this congregation at Scrooby, it's your life as well. And so this Thanksgiving, I want you to be thankful for these things. Learn these lessons from this congregation at Scrooby, and then apply them in your own life. And turn your your heart to, to the Lord and say, God, thank you for your love and your provision in my life, for your provision for our church and our friends and our, our family. It's just, it's incredible. This Thanksgiving, think about that first Thanksgiving. Don't let modern revisionist historians steal or rob that first Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving in this country. We are a people who thank God, Yahweh, in a Trinitarian fashion, through the to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We... Okay, we are thoroughly Trinitarian and Calvinistic as this country at its, at its founding, and we are thankful in the appropriate way. We give thanks to our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I want for you guys this week, and uh, I hope it is a great week of thankfulness. This is the, the Christian life, gratitude. It's not just general thankfulness, it's very specific thankfulness, seeing the work of God in our lives behind everything in His providential reign and rule. Okay, guys, I hope this has been helpful and encouraging to you. Uh, please leave a rating review. I have it. Thanks so much for coming back. We'll be back with more content. Like, like I said, next week will also be another Thanksgiving uh, episode. episode. Um, and then we, after that, are going to talk about the glory of female silence, of women being silent in the churches, and, uh, and how Jesus modeled glorious silence for us. And uh, we're going to connect some dots there. Looking forward to that. Okay, guys, thanks so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.